0: Grace and I would like to acknowledge the traditional owners of country throughout Australia, paying our respects to Elders past, present and emerging, particularly the traditional owners of this land we now call Sydney, where we are recording today, the Gadigal people of the Eora Nation. Thank you, Lily. Please have got the pipe for you that'll show you all that. And- out. I need to Do you got love <laughs> luck choo and luck and choo 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 love and love. Sit back, relax as we pull back the covers. Hello, beautiful people. This week, we've got one wise, sexy woman on the show and two enamoured fangirls. Of course, that means that Nat Tenchich is our guest. You, of course, know her from The Hookup on Triple J, the show on love, sex and fucking, I think their description is, which is beautifully on brand for love clues, of course. This chat is literally packed to the brim with incredible insights. It's got hoe phases. It's got open relationships. Exploring sexuality, body image, how experience unlocks confidence and feeling sexy, the orgasm gap. Amazing insights into how to have great sex from the wealth of knowledge Matt has on this from doing the hookup safety, consent, how to be an ally to the queer community, so much more. I'm out of breath. I can't even handle it. Without further ado, it's Nat freaking Tenchich. Thanks so much for coming on <laughs> Love Clues. Thanks for having
1: me. It's it's a pleasure. I was like so stoked to be asked. I've seen the stuff you've been doing and I was just like,
0: yay! Yeah. Yeah, also, awesome. Nat, can I say how amazing it is to literally hear your iconic voice in my own ear talking to me? Because I, know. I I'm not just saying this, like I'm a regular, regular hookup listener. I binge the back catalogue of like the actual podcast all the time and your voice yeah. is so iconic and now I'm just, it's so special that you're talking straight to us. And I now just, you're speaking to oh, me? Oh, I feel, it's like a little treat, you know? This is too much. So you honoured. Guys. Nat, it's awesome. It's awesome. You actually are a national treasure. So genuinely, thanks for your you know putting aside a chunky your sunday morning to talk to us it's really nice
1: oh it's so nice yeah. to be here i've been a fan of you two since the beginning as well like because ah! like you know i used to work for unearthed <laughs> right like uh-huh. i think yes. i yeah, yeah i think i like reviewed feels like way back when and i was like when oh is this god. coming out it was like so impossible ah! to find for ages oh my god um, and then you got signed and i was like oh yeah <laughs>
0: I think that means that you listened to the unearthed version of Feel, like literally, which we then re-recorded like way back. You're like one of our day ones. I think it was like in 2016. And I I don't think that version is online anywhere now since we re-recorded it like last year or whatever. It just lives in Nat's brain rent-free. Wild. I
1: think I probably have the MP3 of it somewhere.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Oh, Oh, my my God. God. (laughs) Jesus. I remember we sound like such babies. Like our voices sound so young because I was like 15 or something when we recorded that original version Holy so shit. funny so at least somebody's got it out there floating around in the ether and that's got it so should we kick off anyway let's make a podcast yeah I reckon we should make a podcast sounds good you know we can talk about whatever you want and whatever you feel comfortable in sharing sometimes you might not want to like bring your own personal slant to it because like obviously it's your job so whatever you want to talk about it's totally up to you.
1: I have gotten so ridiculously personal in <laughs> more public, even more public context. So I am fine with it.
0: And I, that's so funny because I feel like I have an insight to your personal life through what you share on like the hookup and everything. Yeah, it's an interesting dynamic.
1: Awesome. I'm a tragic overshare, so ask me
0: anything. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that is fabulous news for this first question, <laughs> which is going to be... I was wondering if you can give us a few anecdotes of your early experiences of dating. Just a bit of an overview of your dating history.
1: I think like my dating history is so weird and sometimes I feel like a bit of a fraud even doing this show sometimes but the show is not all about dating it's about Mm -hmm. love sex relationships because I'm just like a serial long-term relationship person like really yeah big time like I had my my first first boyfriend was like I worked with him at the cinema when we were like 15 um that's so wholesome oh my god and we dated for like I think like three months and then he um we broke up and then he came out as gay like two years later which I think is just like a classic bi woman's narrative right like your first boyfriend's (laughs) gonna be gay
0: yeah (laughs) (laughs) I
1: love that and then my next boyfriend I met when I was like in year 11 and we dated for like two and a bit years like nearly three years and it was like a bit no, it was a bit sticky and messy, but like that's how high school relationships sort of are. And we kind of dealt with the transition to uni in interesting ways. But like, yeah, so I was with him and then I had like a very short hoe phase, like when I was in second year uni, like it probably lasted about Three months.
0: Yeah. Nice. Short but sweet. Short and
1: sweet. And I didn't even really go on dates during that time. Like I mostly just like banged friends. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah,
0: here for and a, a, here for a good time, not a long time. <laughs> that's the life I want to be living next <laughs> year after I'm not gonna lie. Lil wants the hot girl hoe summer, don't yeah, you Lil? Right? <laughs> Sometimes I miss it. But a bit late in my life, but that's okay. Yeah. But <laughs> go on. And
1: then I met my partner Emily, who I was with for like nearly seven years.
0: Yeah. That was the big one, right? Before that your was current big one. relationship? Yeah.
1: yeah, yeah. That was the big one. Um, we went through so, so much together, but we were together for such a long time. And then I met my current partner. Well, we were, my current partner and I, Tully and I were friends for like two years before we hooked up, but there was like overlap. So we hooked up before she and I broke up but it was like allowed. It was open.
0: Yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Totally. Wow. So you've been in the dating game since you were, you know, a teenager, a young teenager, you've got lots of experience under your belt.
1: Yeah. I just like, it's less experience of like going on dates. You know what I mean? <laughs>
0: oh yes okay and more experience in building the relationships rather than just the actual act of dating yeah that's Mm. a good point I know what you mean
1: because I always we do so many stories on like online dating or hinge or bumble or whatever Mm -hmm. and yeah I always feel weird because I'm like I never really online dated ever
0: oh did the did the like hustle dating where you were like okay I'm gonna try lots of different people go have drinks with lots of different people and like actually actively fish around you just kind of locked down your people and stuck with them for a while.
1: Totally. I think I, I think what I was good at was like manifesting, which I don't really believe in, but you know, like I remember with M, I I was like in this point where I had been like having a lot of sex and living my best life. And then I was like, I don't know, I feel like a relationship right now. Who's cute and great around me. And I was like, oh, this gangly dorky at the time boy who was like mm-hmm. in community radio with me. And I was like,
0: they're cute. They're very cute. Wow. <laughs> Love it. Yes. They're go for it. <laughs> you swung that lasso and pulled them in. Yeah. Who exactly did? that. Yeah, go. Who could resist the lasso of Nat 10 Yeah. I mean, no one,
1: I don't think. Truly, truly. Tell everyone Honestly. who's ever broken up with me.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's another story. Oh, God. Okay. So then, you know, your life has been peppered with long, beautiful relationships. And through all of that, were you always open in your, with your partners in talking about sex and communicating your needs and talking about love and everything to the point where you do it as a job?
1: That's a good question. I feel like I was always like pretty aware of things in my head and I was like always really curious and just like wanted to try everything and wanted to like get every experience like ticked off kind of thing. It was almost like a checklisty thing, especially like in my early, like in high school where it was like, all right, I did it. I, you know, gave a blow job. Yeah. I did it. I <laughs> got head this time. Like, you know, it was yeah. kind of like that. But then, yeah, I think as I sort of got older and more mature, like, I mean, I love talking about stuff. That was just something I always really enjoyed. And with my, the big relationship, there was like lots of talking to be done because we were just going through so much, you know, like uh gender transition and all this kind of stuff. Um, my partner was like a virgin when I met them. So, you know, that sort of conversation. Mm-hmm. And I don't know, it's just always been a case of like, I prefer to talk about difficult things than not. I've never really understood why people don't like to talk about those sorts of things. Like, it's just sex, um, it's just relationships. But I also date a lot of introverts, so.
0: Really? You, like, coerce it out of them. (laughs) them. You're good at drawing people out of their shells gently and then they open up to you. That's so, it comes through on the hookup as well. It does. (laughs) In a great way. And now you do that on a massive public platform, not even in your own relationships, you know. You do that for the callers that call in. It's amazing.
1: Yeah, I mean, they've got to have a little bit of extroversion to, like, call in. I'm always, like, very proud when people actually come to us and say, like... I really need help with something. It's like the hardest thing in the world to do, you know. Like I just have to give it up for our listeners. Really, they're so brave. But also, mm-hmm. it's like you shouldn't have to Big be brave, right?
0: Like it's just it's just like life. Said, it's
1: just it's just sex. It's just life.
0: Yeah, that's such a good way of looking at it. It it really is. I think I've learnt that way too late than I should have. But when you put it that way, like even though I feel like I intellectually I know that, even just hearing you say that out loud lifts the weight off a little bit even more. And I'm just like, oh, Every, now I'm just going to think back. I'm going to, you know what Nat says? It's just sex. Don't worry it's about it. It's just sex. It's that's literally all it is. I don't know why we get so caught up in our own insecurities. And, and I think that doing this podcast, especially the more you talk about it, the easier it gets to talk about and to understand and change your perspective on it. And it's just like, I want that for everybody. I want everybody yes. to make the conscious decision to do that. So on that point, your DMs are always open. Mm -hmm. Need help with love slash sex is literally in your bio. So what are some of the biggest lessons you've learned from people reaching out over the years? These extroverted callers that are calling in people that are giving you their perspectives. What are some salient themes about love, sex and dating that you see everybody being worried about?
1: I think the main worry, and this is just like the theme that transcends or like crosses all of those categories is, is this normal? Mm. Yeah. Wow. Yeah.
0: And I even, that sort of reminds me of like Dolly Doctor Sealed section stuff. Like when you're a teenager, you just want to feel like, oh God, am I normal? Am I normal? That's so funny to hear you say that, that that still comes through on like a more mature or like sort of adult platform that we all still feel like that.
1: Yeah, I I think it's because we don't have a real script or sense of Rather, we have a particular script of how sex and relationships could and should go and it's limited and we don't like to really broadcast or show like the vast array and rainbow of weirdness that like we experience when we connect with other human beings. And so people are kind of like, oh, my boyfriend and I, you know, have been not communicating properly or like I'm really into this weird uh, kinky sex act. Weird is like the wrong word, but like, you know, I'm not yucking anybody's yum. Kink is wonderful.
0: Of course not.
1: (laughs) But like, because these things annoyingly, even today, like even in 2021, are still taboo for a lot of people. It's really like isolating when you actually are going through an issue and you don't know where to turn or who to go to or who to talk about it. Like professionals are so accessible but it's like you know go and book a session you got to like pay money and mm. then you really have a thing and that 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 feels so serious yeah and it feels serious and like real yeah the internet can be unreliable so it's like creating this mainstream dialogue that like the hookup gets to do really helps people feel like no all human experiences are like just normal and beautiful
0: totally oh my gosh totally the fact that sex and love and dating sex particularly is such a taboo topic and all three, there is not a one size fits all situation that fits into any of those categories. So it's just like when it's taboo and when there isn't a clear right or wrong, you know, apart from consent and stuff like that, mm. then it makes it so, you know, of course people are going to be thinking, am I normal? Cause that's all we want to do. We want to fit in. We don't want to be a freak. But it's like you kind of need to learn. Everyone's kind of a freak when it comes to this because nobody's the same. We do want to be a freak. (laughs) You want to be as freaky as you can. So, I mean, I was going to ask you specifically, what are some of the best lessons you've learned about having great sex? And that can be philosophical. It can be like technique wise. It can just be a perspective. Because especially after the last hookup about how many Australians feel like they're great in bed, what was it? One in 10 think they're great almost a third think they're good so it's like there is a lack of confidence in the Australian sexual prowess yeah definitely and
1: that surprised me and made me a bit sad like I don't know if it's like that classic Australian thing where we don't like to kind of brag or overestimate we like
0: tall poppy
1: ourselves down exactly we're like oh I'm not that good because then somebody's gonna be like we'll prove it right but exactly exactly I think great, I think great sex and, you know, we learned so much from that episode, but it just really summed up like what I've learned over the last four years anyway, which is like great sex is about really like connecting with somebody that you're with, like closely. It's about communicating what you want. It's about knowing yourself enough to talk about what you want. Mm. It's about like having the language, you know, like I did, um, actually one of G Spot's workshops early last year. This was like Great. just before we went into first lockdown and like we were hand sanitizing everything and it was so weird and everyone was like, <laughs> yeah. it was yeah. <laughs> nightmare time. But like one of the real takeaways from that workshop was that she was doing it with all these other women who had, you know, signed up to learn more about sex. And we did this line activity where we were, like, in two lines and we had to talk about, like, what kind of sex we want or what kind of sex we like. And mm. I was being very specific. Like, I was, like, I like to 69. I like when people go down on me. I like when I use we use toys at the same time. I like trying for multiple orgasms. This is how we do that. And the people... I was talking to was so taken aback by my frank language and were very vague in what they described or like what they said they wanted. They were kind of like, I don't know, I just want to feel, you know, seen or connected or like Mm. stuff that I'm kind of like is nice, but you need the toolbox. Like you need the language, you need the vocabulary to talk about what you actually want in the bedroom. And that shouldn't be scary or embarrassing or difficult, you know, like that should just be part of your sex education.
0: It's so true. And sex is a physical act, you know, if somebody's learning how to run, you're not going to say, you just need to feel it. Like just follow the vibe. Like that's all very well and good, but you need to know that you need to put one foot in front of the other. You need to lean forward. You know, it's just, it's just, you know, unfathomable that we can't have the same confidence when we talk about something that's so human.
1: Yeah. And, and this is why, you know, in, in heterosexual relationships, we have the much spoken about orgasm gap where straight yeah, women yeah. never get to come because literally because they don't talk to their partners or their partners don't maybe show an interest in talking, you know, like they don't have the language to be like, or or they feel too embarrassed to use the language to be like, Hey, you, could you put your like finger here while we're doing this? And it doesn't have to be shameful or embarrassing. It's it's literally like what we're doing. Do you want to have fun or not? Yeah. Yeah. So communication, actually being straight up, like really connecting and caring about your partner and what is going to make them happy and what's going to give them pleasure. I think a little bit of selfishness as before, like knowing what you need and what you want, mm. but like a, a lot of selflessness goes a long way as well. Like,
0: yeah, especially for women, like you said, if,
1: if everyone's like kind of committing to the energy between each other, like, you know, the pleasure of your partner, rather than just, I'm going to sit here and get my O, then you're going to have a much better time with sex. Like we don't need to come to have great sex, right? Mm -hmm. I've had so much great sex where I didn't come. I didn't come during sex for so many years of my life. Mm. (laughs) It's really only a thing that started happening maybe the last like two or three years. I mean, I think that's almost like can be kind of classic, but like, you just have to kind of build that confidence. And I think that's what yeah, it gets you to great sex.
0: I think that's so true. Speaking of enjoying sex more in that way, and then going back to what you were saying sort of about the weird and wonderful rainbow of pleasure and everyone's experiences, do you think that as we move towards conversations around acknowledging that there is so much diversity in terms of what beautiful is, or there's so much diversity in terms of what a body even is and can do, do you think that that broader social understanding makes people enjoy sex more? Like if they're comfortable in their own skin?
1: Yeah, 100%. I think self-consciousness in your body image is one of the main reasons that um, straight women in particular like experience bad or poorer quality sex there was like a study we talked about it on the show kind of early last year we did a sh- episode called how to love your body for better sex because the body image pressures like oh do I look you know porn starry enough when I'm here in doggy or like yeah <laughs> do I do I look skinny enough or do my lips look hot enough or whatever it was just such a like anxiety script like running through so many women's brains that it was distracting them from actually getting lost in pleasure I think like you got to feel and be in your body but like also be a bit unbodied if that kind of makes sense like you're divorcing yourself from your body image but you're being present in the like actual experiences of your body
0: that is such a good way <laughs> of putting it oh my god that is so I think true we forget
1: like your body image is not your body Yeah? Yes, yeah. It's like this thing you invent that you project onto your body to like help you understand how other people are perceiving you, but it's wait. wrong like all the time.
0: <laughs> I'm just laughing because Nat's saying, I think we forget your body image is not your body. And I'm there like, forget, I didn't even know that. I that's never even been expressed to me in that way before. I was like, this is a massive <laughs> light bulb moment for me. I'm like, wait a second. Yep. Yeah. it is so true. But I feel like you have a personal investment in that because I know that Through the hookup and through your own socials and everything, I think you call it a self-compassion journey or pathway. Like Listening to the hookup, it might seem like you are literally the epitome of sexiness and confidence because that's what comes through. Obviously, that's what you show the world. But like most people, like most women, I'm sure you've gone on a journey of self-love and self-compassion. And I don't know, I just wanted to know if you if you wanted to talk about that in terms of your own perspective on how loving yourself more makes you enjoy love and sex and dating and just life in general, I guess.
1: Yeah, I mean, oh, God, how much time do we have? Uh- <laughs> <laughs> I know, right? Oh, my God. All the time uh, in the world. All the time in the world. Our relationships with our bodies. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. No, it's, oh, my God, it's just like the longest and most storied kind of thing because it's like... I think, I don't, I don't know if you sort of feel this way, but I think every, you know, female person and, and like trans and non-binary person as well, like, but they're journey with their body is just so incredibly different so i like stick on cis women for the moment but you know like I have always had like a difficult relationship with my body and I think that's just you know par for the course for literally every female person I know right like when yeah. I was like when I was a kid my mum was always dieting she was always like fretting about her weight you internalize that too. stuff I'm sorry
0: mum because yeah. she listens to this but it's true <laughs> just a different generation, but- it is really true. And you
1: internalize that stuff so hard. Like when I was in year six, I was taking salads to school, right? Like, and thinking I was, I was fat, which I was not. And when you sort of also kind of buy into that, I sort of, I think had like, I'm going to fight against this as much as I can mentality. In my head, I'm already fat and I'm not like worthwhile mentality. And then like a food is my comfort and I'm just going to like go for it sort of thing. So it's just like this annoyingly kind of toxic combination of thoughts like running through my brain but when it came to you know being my out there self and having sex and whatever for whatever reason like my body image just like shifts a gear and I I don't know like (laughs) I get a different me in my head where I'm like nah I'm so hot like this is fine. Everyone wants me.
0: (laughs) Wow. That's amazing. So you mean like when you're in the context, a romantic or sensual context, is it almost like an alter ego where you get like, what is it like? Is it like a, just a boost in confidence thing? Is it an excitement? How does it work? I think
1: this is hard reality, but I think I find attention validating.
0: (laughs) Oh, 100%. Oh, Get out. preaching to the choir over <laughs> yeah, here big time we're literally making a podcast <laughs> for no real reason i'm like love me world oh, i love please. the sound of my own voice <laughs> <It's> bad.
1: <laughs> but but i think i think it was this thing where it was like oh well if if somebody's paying attention to me or if i'm like getting danced with at the club or if i'm like out on a super cute date or if I matched with someone on an an app then it's like well then somebody thinks I'm hot so Mm -hmm. I'm just gonna roll with that energy for a while you know
0: so I must be hot that's honestly yeah someone thinks
1: I'm hot so I must be hot like why deny reality yeah (laughs) but when you're by yourself and you're kind of stewing again in the like battle between your body image your real body what you think you should look like what you actually look like I think that's where it becomes more of a challenge and like for me you know I've always had these issues and it's always been really difficult I've always been like on and off dieting or on and off like trying to be like oh if I'm more if I'm skinnier will I be more successful or more valid or whatever Mm Mm-hmm which I've kind of just learned that I have to let go of because all it does is, like, take up space in your brain and hold me back. Like, this is, like, a bit of a segue, but, like, one of the things I think about all of the time at the moment is just, like, when you're on your deathbed, you're just going to regret how many hours you've wasted worrying about your fucking body. Like I could not yeah. agree more. Now, Honestly, I
0: relate to that so much, and I think, like, I'm 25, and probably when I was, like, I don't know how old all this starts, but maybe when I was like 15, I remember this one time when I was at like surf club training or something, whatever, I was doing something like fun and active. And then like, I was like, Oh, I I feel like a chocolate milk afterwards. And for some reason, I just felt like really guilty for wanting a chocolate milk. Cause I was like, Oh my God, that just negates all the like cardio I've just done. Oh my God, I can't get a chocolate milk. So it's like moments like that. And I don't know why that moment sticks out, but I'm like, wow, since that moment, Literally 10 years ago, like over a decade ago, I have spent so much energy worrying about what I look like, worrying about my weight, worrying about if other people think I'm attractive. Like, what could I have been doing with all that brain power? It's not our fault, you know, as women. It's not our fault that we obsess over things like that because that's sort of – like you said, that's how we were raised, societally raised – I was wondering if you feel like in the younger women that you have contact with, obviously Triple J has is like quite a young target demographic and like whether you feel like, there are body images and, like, body goals in quotation marks that have changed over time because I feel like we were probably of the generation where it was, like, it's a horrible word, but it was, like, heroin chic and, like, nothing tastes as good as skinny feels and it was, like, skinny, 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 like, Tumblr 2012, we need to be skinny, skinny, skinny. (laughs) But I feel like I see TikToks now when girls just want, like, big quads and, like, a really fat Mm. ass and I'm, like, wow, that that wasn't that long ago when it was, like, you need to be a twig to be attractive. And it's changed so much already, but I feel like I still can't shake the body goals, quote unquote, from like 10 years ago that aren't really relevant now. Well, if you hold on on to them,
1: if you hold on to them, they'll be in in another like five years again. Exactly.
0: (laughs) But it's like, why, you know, why do we fixate on these things that change so quickly? Well, yeah, exactly right. Like beauty
1: standards are a big joke and a lie. Um, Not every human being uh, of the same uh, biological sex can have the same body. So... That is just a fact. It's just a fact. It's just facts. We all have different genes. We all have different bodies. And also not everyone's attracted to the same kind of body. If you're doing it in order to garner male attention, if that's like your goal which i don't really always think is the goal anyway like i think it's largely a goal of being like loved and accepted and popular and thought of hot and whatever and just like knowing and loving yourself right but it's like those standards are going to change over time they're purely like a vehicle to if I'm going to tinfoil hat for a second, I think they're purely a vehicle to sell shit and to control women so that they don't actually think about doing anything productive.
0: Oh, I could don't even. I've got the tinfoil hat on this whole time, 100%. (laughs) Yeah.
1: Like if you want to really actually stick it to the man, then don't save for a BBL. Like save for a degree. Like save to do Mm -hmm. something. Ah!
0: that was a mic drop line can i just say <laughs> so it does speak to something so big which i feel like society is contending with now in terms of like what is empowering because mm. on the one hand, taking control of your appearance and whether it's as small as wearing makeup or whether it's as big as getting surgery to change how you look, yeah, it's that very deep philosophical question of like, is that empowering on an individual level or can it never be because it speaks to like what you just said, that patriarchal value structure of like, this is how you need to look to be valued. So it's like, oh my God, I don't even know where to start with with whether individual decisions like that can be empowering.
1: Totally. And I like, as I was even saying that, I felt like an old lady rad femme being like, don't get you. You don't need to wear makeup. Botox, (laughs) you don't need to wear makeup. Just read a book. Yeah, of course you can like wear makeup (laughs) and be hot and be smart at the same time. Like I think, thank you, feminism, we are at that place, right? I do think though, when it comes to things like, you know, body altering surgery, when it comes to these sorts of choices that we make, I don't know. We're so obsessed with like individualism and individual liberty that it's like, what can I say other than like, do what you want. But at the same time, it's just like interrogate why that's why this is a choice that yeah. you really want to make a thing that you really need. If it is going to be a thing that sets you free and makes you happy and fulfills what you're after, then like, how can I judge it? Like, go ahead, you know, do what's going to work for you. But I just kind of, I'm like, if you let, go of some of that stuff like if you just find your image and your bliss and your confidence in your own way without the pressure of what everyone else is telling you is attractive like bbls or whatever are a trend like getting the kim kardashian ass and the huge quads is a trend like you said it's not what everyone wanted to do in like Mm. 1999 to 2005 like it won't be what everyone wants in the latter half of this decade so are you doing this because you're feeling like oh yes I am dysmorphic and I need this body to feel really me or are you doing this because you are seeking that kind of validation that you think only that kind of body is going to give you when it's like actually you're valid like you're just valid the way you are you know you don't have to do shit like one of my favorite self-compassion lessons slash phrases that they sort of tell us is it's like you literally don't have to be anything other than yourself do you think your cat like stresses about being anything else like oh no my God. your cat just loves being a cat it has no purpose <laughs> it doesn't have to be productive it just lives its life every day and it's valid and lovely because it exists and you're the same
0: big time uh, and I mean to be a cat massive right? cat energy <laughs> that is why I love following people like you in like the media and content space because like you just said yeah people can make individual decisions about you know let's use the BBL trend as an example they can make individual decisions to change their body but you know when I see an influencer posting their bikini pics having like had body modification surgery I feel like oh god well I'm never going to be able to afford to do something like that. Yeah, Like my body doesn't look like that. Oh God, why do I want to post a photo where I'm just like hanging out, having fun in a bikini? Okay. I'm going to put the Paris filter on all my Instagram stories. You know what I mean? Like it just, it becomes, Mm -hmm. I just, I just love people like you who are just way more open and. And challenging the standards in terms of like what you talk about and how you make all these conversations so accessible to people, especially on a platform like Triple J. I just think it's so amazing and it's, really fuels my soul and you've like yeah you've taught me how to think and how to talk about these things within myself and it's I'm so grateful for it and for your work it's really beautiful me too Oh, thanks guys. You know, even outside of the body image and self-love sphere, you also do so much educating, not only around sex and dating and everything, but also around inclusivity, the queer community, you know, consent and safety. So what are some of the most important messages from that realm of your work that you'd love for people to understand? Well, I think first of all,
1: just number one off the bat, consent is the most important thing about sex. It's the most important thing that we can teach when it comes to sex. It's going to truly solve a lot of things. And consent is really not complicated at all. Anyone who tells you it is, is doing so for their own means. Believing consent is complicated helps the people who don't want to ask for consent. It's really, it's really easy and it's really sexy. Actually, let's just like normalize asking before we kiss people or do anything. It's really hot. Yeah. Yeah. When it comes to safety, one of the most important lessons is just like, I mean, we all learned about safe sex in high school. I feel like I'm hardly like the first person to be like, hey, guys, guess what? I think you'd
0: be surprised. (laughs) We all know our sex education was quite dismal.
1: That's true. That's why the hookup (laughs) exists.
0: Yeah. (laughs) Uh, Exactly. Exactly. Yeah.
1: I think like when it comes to safety, it's like... uh, you know one thing that just like completely fucks me up like is how many people aren't <laughs> using condoms right now <laughs> it just really, really really fucks me up
0: yeah it's Do you know what actually now I'm kind of not surprised because I like you just said you're not in like in the dating game right now because you're in your relationship right but I feel like I don't know this is TMI but like I feel like when I have been getting with guys over the last few years I'd find even know them like they might be a random and not want to use a condom and I'm like do you want to have a baby like what do you mean I have to say my experience has been the exact same and sometimes it's been in situations where I just haven't like it sounds so stupid and honestly it's like put me back in the year eight sex ed class but like I just haven't checked you know you get caught up in the moment and you kind of just assume that you know they'll have it covered pardon the pun but (laughs) they don't you know, I don't know what it's about. I don't know if it's a new thing and it's not always been this No, way. it's not the new thing. It's like the, oh, it feels better for me. And it's like, it's going to feel better for me if I don't get impregnated by you. Don't have a baby in my stomach after this yeah oh. so uh, yeah anyways but I think it's definitely still a big big issue and like you said that's why all your work on the hookup and everything and normalizing that discussion is so important because it's like it has real consequences <laughs> in people's lives
1: yeah definitely it, it's just like I uh, like you said I think everybody's been trying to get away with not using condoms for the the longest time forever but there's I don't know some like weird, I'm like grow up I know grow up it's like some <laughs> weird male like possessed like you know, territory marking thing. You know, Ooh, like that's yeah. how I sort of see it. Where mm-hmm. it's just kind of like, yeah, I did that. I put my genetic material inside you. Cool, hell yeah. Cool, but it's guys. like you don't fucking want to. You just got monkey brain that tells you you want to, or like says that makes you. I don't know, like a bigger person or whatever, yeah. or like and a successful male. Like good, good for you. No, yeah. I don't. I don't want to get chlamydia, and I don't want to have a child. So like, you can. Piss off with that shit. Well,
0: oh, yeah, true. <laughs> STIs is a whole is a whole thing as well. I didn't even think about. It. Oh god, we forgot about diseases. I'm always just so anxious about having a baby that I forget about that as well. Me <laughs> too. No, yeah. Seriously,
1: it, it, it's bonkers to me. So it's like just so important to keep having those conversations. Queerness, just like the fact that the you know, the queer community has come so far in terms of mainstream acceptance and, you know, that's, like, such a huge part of what the show has been able to do from day dot. Like, as a queer person, like, taking over the reins, like, even though at the time I took over, I wasn't, like, super affirmed in my queerness. Like, I was dating a woman, but I was still a bit like, I don't know, this was a very unique situation and I don't know what I am and Mm. And really, like, the first year of the show changed my life because there were just so many instances where I was like you know I'm saying all this stuff or I'm doing all this stuff but I feel like I need to prove it for me like I feel like I need to have these experiences that I'm talking to people about otherwise what am I doing
0: I was gonna ask if interacting with so many different people's stories had affected your own lens through which you see romance and experience it yeah Well,
1: yeah, 100%. I think it was just kind of like everyone was sort of struggling in really similar ways and I just kind of was like I can't be – an expert. Like I I sort of was like I've had a lot of sexual experiences obviously, but there're still so many things I don't know about myself and what I like and who I really am. Like I've just been so focused on my career and I've been so, you know, dealing with this very unique and specific situation of my partner transitioning and all of that where I was like I think I need to go have some more experiences and just work out you know who I want to be I it was this conversation I was having with my producer at the time and I was upset about something but he thought I was upset about like I don't know like being openly queer or actually talking about myself or something um he misread that but that's okay um (laughs) and yeah. Cause I was getting a lot of feedback that first year where it was like, you're not talking about yourself enough. You're not like revealing yourself enough. You're not like being open enough. And I was like, yeah, cause I'm scared about really saying these things and committing them, committing them to the world, you know, like it's a really scary thing to be on a platform that big and actually talk about your experiences, especially when you're not Exactly sure how to process them yet? Or
0: you're figuring it all out as well.
1: For sure. And, you know, he came and he was like, Don't even doubt yourself. You know, I was like, Well, not everyone knows like the stuff about me. And he's like, Well, don't even worry about it. Like, just own it. Like, tell your Norma you love eating pussy. <laughs> <laughs> And and no, of course, never. If you've ever met my nonna, like she thinks the gays. That would not fly. sorry, nonna. She thinks the gays literally cause hurricanes. So no. Um, Oh, God. But but I had that moment where I was like, well, I don't know if I like eating pussy because I've never done it before. Like, and you don't have to have every experience to know your bisexual or pansexual or whatever yeah you know and to be assured in that but there was just I'm just speaking personally like it was just a thing that I was like well I don't feel like I truly know or can speak on this with authority without having had the experience or done that so I had this whole period like was open with my my girlfriend and yeah and did that and then I was finally like something I had unlocked in me where I was like okay like I know what mode I'm supposed to be on like I've I'm
0: doing it yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm
1: doing it I, I got to know like a true part of myself and I think like that authenticity has then helped listeners that have called in and and been a part of this like I had an amazing time speaking to a young listener for our like how do you know if you're bisexual episode who I think we gave her a fake name so I can't remember exactly yeah, what fake name shout we gave out yeah yeah she was like I don't know like I think I like girls but I'm not sure, but I've only ever been with guys, but I'm thinking about like opening up my... um... Preferences on preferences on tinder exactly right oh yeah yeah and like hearing her there were just like so many classic narratives of like doubting your own experiences or pushing down things that didn't fit like this narrative that you'd sort of come to know or just kind of saying things like I don't know I guess everyone's a little bit gay right and it's like well (laughs) No.
0: (laughs) Kind of, but not really. Oh my gosh, that feeling (laughs) when you think something's quote unquote normal because everyone experiences it and someone's like, "Um, no, like not everyone's brains work like that. And you're like, oh, I've got some unpacking to do. (laughs) (laughs) But also just feeling valid enough to explore that. It's like, okay, if I've been attracted to one person of the same sex... Does that mean that I can pass the test and I'm allowed to open up my preferences on Tinder? It's like, of course you can. You need to explore every little facet of your mind and your emotion. It's like...
1: Totally. And so coming back to that point of inclusivity, it's amazing that we are now much more inclusive of queer people and queer society broadly and on the whole. But I think like the queer community, I think very understandably has some walls up about like I don't think it's intentional gatekeeping, but sometimes it just sort of feels like, you know, you hear these dialogues among queer people a lot of like, I don't feel queer enough or I don't feel trans enough or I don't feel blah because you're not like the perfect picture of like somebody marching at Mardi Gras or whatever. But the thing is, it's like, every single queer person is valid, no matter how your queerness manifests. If you feel like you're queer, then you're queer. Like straight people don't feel like they're queer. (laughs)
0: Exactly. Oh my gosh, that's something that I feel like we've tried to navigate the conversations in this podcast with like complete openness and the unabashed opinion that gender is a spectrum, sexuality is a spectrum, but it's also like if you are straight, like I feel like I know in my heart that I'm just a straight girl, you know, I don't want to be sort of stepping over any boundaries where I feel like I'm appropriating anything from like you said the queer community because understandably there are those gatekeeping moments because it's like maybe you think to pre-lockdown when it's like all the group of like straight girls go out to gay clubs because they just think it's fun and, like, it's cute for a night. Mm. And it's like, well, that's just not really how it works, you know? Like, you can't just put that hat on for a day. And be a tourist. I'm speaking – I think from my experience, like, I just feel like that as a straight person, I want to be so open to all those experiences, but I never want to act like I've ever felt oppressed or disadvantaged by my sexuality because I haven't.
1: Yeah, it's difficult, right, because I think being an ally is, like, such a hard – question always, right? But like I think people ask like why is it LGBTQI whatever? Like why do we have an alphabet mafia? And it's like because everybody in that category has been like generally oppressed for the same reasons and the same
0: yeah. in in
1: the same way. And that oppression is not as it doesn't seem as prescient anymore because like ANZ sponsors Pride and you know like all of these celebrities are pansexual or whatever. But like there are still very real difficulties that queer people experience, you know, from barriers to um, medication for transition, barriers to rights to adoption and de facto partners or whatever, like actual material legal rights, but then also just like the basic difficulty that comes from living in a world where you're not the default, right? So, you know, which you understand as women, but it's just kind of like, that's what being sort of a more oppressed class really means is that like the narrative is not yours. Right. And how you process that on like an internal and external level. So it's like, I get why queer people feel wary of people like joining in and being part of it because we band together for the same kinds of reasons but then there are lots of like subgroups and subcultures and subcommunities within that like there's no like queer council that agrees on who's yeah. allowed <laughs> at what club and like
0: yeah. what mm-hmm. we all
1: think or whatever like there's so much disagreement in um a space that like that different but I think when it comes to being a good ally like you were saying about you know straight girls going to the club or whatever it's about respecting the culture and why it's there and why it exists and engaging with it with depth and actual interest rather than using it like for your own means i suppose like yeah just like being respectful in any culture or any sort of subgroup Community, right like, yeah yeah it's just like about respecting and playing by the rules and fighting the good fight when the party is like not on you know like
0: yes oh my still god give, that's a huge still one.
1: giving a shit
0: it's a privilege to be able to learn about it rather than experience it if you know what i mean and it's like Yeah, you don't you don't just as amazing as it is that these conversations are happening. It's like not all problems were solved by getting the yes vote. Yeah. And it's easy to go out and dress up all fun and go out to Mardi Gras. But it's like, okay, the next day, are you still going to be saying everything that you said last night, you know, and actually doing everything in your power? To lift up the community, who's had a lot more oppression than you ever have. Yeah, yeah. yeah, that's a really good reminder. And I
1: mean, yeah, just just to like wrap that thought, it's like you know, the gatekeeping is one thing, but I think the door should always be a bit open because the beauty of the beauty and weirdness of queerness is that we all come into it at various times in our lives like some people know they're queer from the age of three some people don't realize they're queer until they're 41 you know Lily you said you're like I know I'm straight but it's like in this
0: moment but I could change my tune you, fall in lo- you can fall in love with a girl
1: or a non-binary person or a trans person at any 100%. time and you uh-huh. never know so you
0: never know that like, that's why I always try I always tell people like oh I've never had a girlfriend like or a boyfriend not just like oh, I've never had a boyfriend it's like Well, I've never had a boyfriend but I've also never had a girlfriend so either one of those things could change. You might meet a girl that you like before you meet a boy that you like. Who's to say? It all depends on the saying. I'll take anyone at this point. (laughs) 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 Oh, Nat, you are such a force to be reckoned with. You're just out here improving the lives of so many people, the love lives, the sex lives and just the lives in general of all your listeners and of fans like us and really thank you so much for your time that you've given us today because oh I had so many light bulb moments in this chat. Like really. And they're things that you were like, you know, obviously everybody knows, blah, 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 blah. <laughs> and I'm like, this is news to me. Oh my God.
1: I just like I think a lot. So it's nice to put things in other people's heads
0: (laughs) you know sometimes I feel I feel almost bad that people like you do have to carry so much of that role of education and prying open those conversations but you do it so well and you know you're so impactful you're basically a national hero oh you are (laughs) in my life and in the life of many people that I know so it's really beautiful
1: this has just been such a such a pleasure um I just love having big chats I'll have more later this evening
0: (laughs) um oh excellent of course you will
1: and um yeah no it's it's been totally stunning anytime
0: Oh my gosh, Nat. Thank you so much. I can't can't wait wait to meet you in person as well. God, you're such a ray of sunshine. Thank you so much again. This ah, was like, I got so much out of this. Making me a better person. Honestly. Yeah, thank you for for being so generous with your time and your knowledge.
1: Not at all. It was such a pleasure. Thank you so much for inviting me, honestly.
0: It's been so much fun. Wow, Nat Tentich is an angel. She is so incredible. She's just refreshed our perspective on the way we think about sex how important it is to know what you want and to know how to ask for it and also understanding that your body image is not your body that was such a massive takeaway from this episode and I'm so glad that Nat was the one to enlighten us in this way that was so special we can't wait for next week where we'll be back love clues